0: The Be Rad Podcast is brought to you by MoFo, male optimization formula with organs to boost testosterone. Brad's macadamia masterpiece, mind-blowing nut butter blend, now offered on Amazon. Chili Technology, temperature-controlled mattress systems for a good night's sleep. InsideTracker.com, offering blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data all in one place and Organify, whole food organic superfood supplements and drink blends. And please visit the shopping page at bradkearns.com for my personal selection of favorite products for health, fitness, and peak performance with great discounts for listeners. Here we go with the show.
1: I don't know that it's healthy for society to put health, attach it to like, this size concept. I'm all for people like loving ourselves at any size, but being open to finding the size that both supports your health and your happiness. I realized that, you know, if you basically just ate protein, that it was very, very, very unlikely. You would gain weight and most likely you would lose weight. So I basically just ate protein for, I don't know, maybe like a year. And I don't recommend that, but I think it definitely speaks to the power of that macronutrient. If you're doing intuitive eating, listeners, and it's working for you, please do it. I wish I could do it the way it is presented. I, I think that'd be great, but it just, for me, I know it works and it, it doesn't work for me.
0: Hey, listeners, get ready for the powerhouse, Melanie Avalon. She is the host of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast, along with New York Times bestseller Jen Stevens, and the host of the Melanie Avalon Biohacking podcast oh my goodness, we get deep into matters of eating, fasting, macronutrient ratios, and you're going to get some surprising and really memorable insights. One of them that comes to mind is how both low-carb, high-fat And a high-fat, low-carb approach can both work as long as you choose one or the other and stay away from those addictive, hyper-palatable foods that typically combine processed sugar and fat. So Melanie will set us straight with some really deep insights about all matters of losing excess body fat in a healthy manner, Uh, picking your macronutrients and your food choices and your eating windows wisely. And of course, we get finished with a little bit of biohacking stuff where she's talking about some interesting tidbits about making further breakthroughs and especially uh, addressing the controversy about whether uh, excess protein is dangerous and can uh, restrict lifespan or increase risk of cancer. I think you're going to be illuminated by her commentary when you realize high-fat, low-carb, or low-fat, high-carb, the wars of the vegan versus the carnivore, primal paleo, uh, ongoing forever and ever. But guess what the common theme is? And that's the uh, emphasis on protein. You'll see how that is really effective, not only for fat loss, but for health and for satiety. A great show with fast-moving insights from Melanie Avalon. Go check her out at the Intermittent Fasting Podcast and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Melanie Avalon, I'm so excited to talk to you. We had our enthusiastic email introduction from other parties. I'm like, heck yeah, bring this girl on. How interesting, fascinating. You're all over the place, but mostly known, I suppose, as the expert in intermittent fasting and biohacking listeners, this girl is a powerhouse. She's got two podcasts, right? The Melanie Avalon intermittent, no, the the intermittent fasting podcast and the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast. So push pause for a second, go subscribe to both of those shows. And now we get her directly to hear what's all about. Thank you so much for, for joining me.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. And it's very exciting to talk to you because I often, I've heard you in my head for so long. I want to say that you are one of the best audiobook narrators, in my opinion. And I listen to a lot of audiobooks. Like, you're incredible. gosh.
0: Thank you for that compliment. Um, (laughs) I'm going to like excerpt your little little quip there and and send it to the audio engineers who look at me through the glass going, dude, what the F are you doing? None of these words are on the script. What are you talking about? Because I figure if you're going to download an audiobook, I know you can read the exact book. I'm not going to be a robot and read it. Anyone can do that. So I have a tendency in the studio to go... You get what I'm saying here, people? It's kind of like when you're driving to McDonald's, like, you know, I'm just making something up. And then I go, okay, back to the script. Here we go. It's hard to, it's hard to stick to the script in life sometimes.
1: No, It cracks me up. And I literally, I want to read along with you to see like what you're adding and <laughs> what yeah. is actually in the text.
0: Well, that's the poor guy's amazing. job. He has to make these little marks every time there's something that's not <laughs> in the text. And okay, at least someone yeah. appreciates me. Thank you, Melanie.
1: I, I do, I do. You're amazing. So thank you so um, much for having me.
0: Yeah. Let's do like a little intro because it's, I want to know how you got into those uh, health specialties and you also have this Hollywood uh, career going in parallel. So, um, and then how you escaped from, I forget where it was in the South and you you jumped right into fast paced uh, academic and, and personal life. So let's, let's uh, get a little background.
1: Sure. So long story shortish. Yeah. I was raised in the South, moved to LA. Um, but the whole dieting history, that's how I, I fell into the whole intermittent fasting worlds first out and it came out of my diet struggles. So I was always trying lots of different diets to lose weight. Like a lot of people are <laughs> so calorie counting, um, I did like the cookie diet, I did HCG drops, I did diet pills, I did all of the things. Um, And then I, when I first tried low carb, that was the first time that something actually was effective. And then on top of that, it, I wasn't just losing weight. I experienced all these other health benefits that I did not anticipate. And then I became very intrigued and I was like, what is happening here? Um, So I got really obsessed with the science of diet And I first tried intermittent fasting (laughs) as also an experiment. I was going to try it for one week and this was about a decade ago. And I just never stopped because it was like that incredible. Um, I started right from the get-go with the one meal a day approach. So I just was like, I'm not going to eat all day. And then I'll eat a huge dinner. Um, And that, (laughs) and here we are now like 10 years later. Um, And then I, the third part of my dietary triad, I guess, was I found the paleo diet after reading Rob Wolf's book, the paleo solution. And that was kind of like the final piece of the puzzle with really finding the diet that works for me. Um, my big thing is that there's no one right diet for everybody, but mm. I, um, I originally self-published a book just to provide a resource for people because I would get so many questions all the time. Um, cause I mean, intermittent fasting is a lot more, popular now, but when I was doing it, nobody really knew what it was. So when I brought it up, people were very skeptical. So I was like, I'll just write a book and then I'll just give them the book when they have questions. (laughs) So that was that. And then, um, I started the podcast. I started the intermittent fasting podcast with my co-host and she also had a book about intermittent fasting. So that was a great way to really like get out there. And, um, ultimately started the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast because I started going on all the tangent health rabbit holes after having my own health challenges. And I just wanted a platform to, um, you know, all these books that I'm reading anyways, bring that to more people and interview the authors. And it's just, it's really wonderful. Um, I'm really happy <laughs> with everything.
0: You made it through all that frustration, confusion, struggles. Which uh, I, I'm I'm sounding uh, lighthearted, but uh, for real, it's it's a really bad deal. And I'm especially uh, pleased to be talking to a female expert uh, because it, it helps to bring that new perspective in. And it seems like it's um, a real challenge with uh, the you know the the societal forces, the cultural forces. Uh, the measuring judging uh, voices that we hear in the outside world that can, you can often succumb to Um, I believe you were heading to Hollywood to, to pursue the um, the, the, the career in front of the camera. Is that right?
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So basically you show up here. I mean, it's cliche. Everyone knows these stories from the, the the country girl heading to the big city, but you're very much measured and judged by your appearance. And so I'm wondering if you want to share, you know, how did that go hand in hand with what you describe as dietary struggles? Um, I'm I'm thinking you're you're not one of these reformed um, obese people that lost 150 pounds, but more so trying to optimize and trying to get to that highest level where you get the part and and, and someone else doesn't you know?
1: Yeah. You, you really, um, touched on so many things. Um, yeah, I, I never, I get that question a lot. Like, were you ever overweight or obese? And I was never, um, I was never overweight by a conventional standard, like the, the standard, mm-hmm. um, the BMI, <laughs> I was never overweight BMI. Um, but like you said, there is definitely a huge societal pressure and especially in LA, big pressure to be camera ready and to be a certain weight. And, um, my camera ready.
0: I love that. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great line. Oh yes, I'm I'm trying to be camera ready these days. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm no, no dessert for me. I'm I'm going for camera ready. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, where have I, I, it's, it's typically used. Where have I heard that line before? Oh, the camera, we need camera ready art for the ad campaign. Right now we're talking, now we're applying it to people
1: Whew. Oh, I've never heard it applied to art. This is so interesting. Yeah, yeah, camera ready, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, um, camera ready. So um, to be camera ready, I honestly, all of those diets really were in pursuit of the camera readiness and they were very restrictive and not fulfilling. And when I, like starting low carb and then starting intermittent fasting was just so eye-opening because I finally could eat without restriction and not have all of that all of that restrictive um, behavior, but still I, I mean made massive improvements in how I perceive my my body and um i'm actually I'm very much obsessed with the concept of body image and because I know right now um, there's the whole health at health at any size health at any size mm. and um I'm really intrigued by it because i like I wish in, is it health at any size I wish instead that it was like love yourself at any size instead, because I think a lot of people um, can get locked. People might be unhealthy with their size and ac- actually unhealthy, like metabolically unhealthy and you know, following a diet that's not working for them and probably feel really trapped in their bodies. I know I, even though I was never crazy overweight, I always, I felt trapped in my body as far as like, sugar cravings and hunger and inflammation and brain fog and all of that. So I, I don't like, I don't know that it's healthy for society to, to put health, attach it to like this size concept. Like I, I'm, I all just, I'm all for people like loving ourselves at any size, but being open to finding the size that both supports your health and your happiness. I know it's like controversial, but um, I think some people get like, they might be unhappy with the body that they're at and they feel like they have to accept that because of culture today. Mm. Um, when really they might be ha- happier and healthier if they made changes, that's a little bit controversial.
0: Uh, yes, you've navigated a very controversial issue. I, I appreciate that perspective a lot. It's so sensitive that you almost can't open your mouth without getting slapped from one direction or another, unless you're Joe Rogan and you're all powerful. And I, I've heard him say on a show on this very topic, like if those people just get off their ass and quit being so lazy and all those kind of things. And then we have to reflect on uh, Gary Taub's great book, Why We Get Fat and his takeaway quote that uh, gluttony and sloth, are not the causes of obesity, they are the symptoms. So people with metabolic dysfunction, however you got there, whether you have some genetic predispositions or adverse dietary practices, you are going to be someone who is too... Tired to exercise and too hungry to stick to uh, the diet that eliminates the you know the, the foods that we don't want to eat, and so um, I think we have to have more compassion for people who are, are suffering from metabolic dysfunction. And it's not as simple as getting your ass off the couch and eating less food, e- even though it is. We're going to have to back into that with healthy lifestyle practices. But boy, um, yeah, I, I think it's kind of a reactionary a uh, position to say healthy at any size when, if you're not healthy, you're not healthy and you better wake up and, and, and take a look at this rather than cruise into, you know, seat number 14, a, because someone's reserving it for you. Cause we don't want to be, um, uh, politically incorrect or, you know, uh, judgmental or whatever.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, actually I just had Gary on my show as well. He's, he's amazing. I loved his new book about the keto keto diet. Um, but yeah, like a, a metaphor I just thought of or simile. I guess it depends how I open it, how I phrase mm. it. Um
0: <laughs> don't ask me, I'm just a writer. It's
1: like, so it's a simile. It's like <laughs> um if 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 like there if there was a prison um of and like this prison was being unhealthy. It's like if you were stuck in that prison, prison, because you're in an unhealthy state, but you're being told, no, you're healthy at any size. Like there is no prison. That would be very confusing and very frustrating Mm -hmm. because you might feel like there's nothing to do. Like you, I think it takes away some of that, the, um, like the action that you can take to make, you know, to make changes.
0: Yeah. I mean, same with when people say everything in moderation, I like to fire back wise ass (laughs) comment. Um, this is a quote from Mark Twain everything in moderation, including moderation, and when it comes to our eating choices, because we're bombarded with such garbage and such corporate propaganda and, you know, misleading advertising and all those things, we can't have a moderate approach to healthy eating. Otherwise we're going to succumb and we're going to, you know, go into disease patterns that have, have touched and, and, and ruined so many people's lives and, and touched all of our lives. And so it's like, no, I have an extreme approach to my food choices because I have to navigate through all this, this poisonous, toxic shit that a lot of people are saying it's okay to eat or encouraging us to eat. So yeah, they're, they're, everything in moderation is is going to get squashed. And I believe that, um, you know, there's a way to approach this issue in a sensitive way where maybe people can, you know, benefit from getting off their ass a little more and, and listening to Joe Rogan with, you know, a little bit of grain of salt, but, uh, boy, you know, we, we make good points here that, um, you know, don't, don't give up if, if you're, uh, if you're, if you're thinking along those terms.
1: Yeah. You are, you're speaking to my heart. Damn. the And I'm, cause I do think there are different personality types and I personally am an extremist. So I, I don't do so well with moderation anyways. And I know some people do better with moderation, but that aside, like our processed food that we our processed foods that we have today, seeing how's seeing as how they are basically genetically engineered to you know trick our brain into wanting more i i think it's really hard to, if people feel like they have to be able to engage with them in a in a um a moderationist approach if we're going to if we're going to continue walking on tiptoes like with the intuitive mm-hmm. eating movement i think um i'm all for intuitive eating i think it's really hard for a lot of people with today's food and i i don't know that i could intuitively eat like a lot of things like i just don't I'm, i don't know if that means i like a ba- I'm bad at intuitive eating, or if it just means that certain foods you can't really be intuitive with because they're not they're not working with your body intuitively. Um, so, yes.
0: yeah, um, I'd like to hit on that a little more because I think the personality type is probably something that we should apply more rather than you know I've had one guest on saying one thing and another guest on saying another thing uh, and. Uh, one of them said you know um or, or actually talking to a um uh, a dietist certified dietitian where they don't want to uh directly tell the person don't eat all that ice cream uh they say uh, e- eat a spoonful and therefore you won't obsess about it and you'll be rewarded you're just going to keep it under control and i'm like well um i'm not sure that's a blanket approach that's going to fit everybody um one of my shows melanie's called uh, the fatty popcorn boy saga. And it's a story about me where I started making bowls of popcorn at night uh, for fun and celebration. I think you know, visiting family and holiday times, and here's another bowl and I drizzle lemon flavored olive oil on it. It's fantastic. And so it went from a celebratory treat to a regular fixture in my evening routine, because I was starting to build a habit in the wrong direction. And all of a sudden I discovered a higher number on the scale. Than, you know. M- my reference point is my driver's license. I've had the same weight for 30 years or whatever. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, that's not me. What's going on here? And so you can go down this slippery slope, especially with the hyperpalatable addictive foods to the extent that maybe the suggestion to just enjoy one spoonful of ice cream a night, that might work for 23.8% of the population. It might be a disaster for you and I, and another 25% who, um, you know, need to have more discipline and structure to where it's not even a decision. It's like the, the peanuts on the airplane where you're, you're offering to the person with a peanut allergy and they say, no, thank you. They don't go, ah, uh, well, it's a long flight. Maybe I'll try a few. It, it's not even a thought or a decision. And I kind of like that approach when we have so many challenges that we're facing with um, the, the um, you know, the processed foods.
1: Yeah, i I could not agree more and and, like you said, like I said, and you said i I do think it comes down a lot to your personality and how you how you react um but i I just feel I feel like there's such a pressure, um especially with intuitive eating. it's like oh if if you can't have like you said, you know that one bite of ice cream, like if you can't and without wanting more and like feeling mm-hmm. worse from that, then it's like you failed at being intuitive when maybe. Maybe your intuition, which is not to have any, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, and that was like, yeah. and that might be healthier for you in the long term. But again, if you're doing intuitive eating, listeners, and it's working for you, please do it. I wish I could do it the way it is presented. I, I think that'd be great. But it just for me, I know what works and it, it doesn't work for me. I feel more free with like with boundaries that I work within. Um. So.
0: Yeah. Eliud um, Kipchoge just won the Olympic gold in the marathon for the second Olympics in the row, the greatest marathon runner of all times. And he also is this super quotable athlete. He, he comes up with these beautiful one-liners. And one of the things he that said that's repeated a lot in the running scene is um, uh, only the disciplined ones in life are free. Uh, otherwise, you become a slave to your whims and passions. And I think they were asking him, how can you train that hard every single day? You know, the guy runs 20 miles every day of his life and he, he feels he feels free and uh, free to enjoy his life because of all the discipline and structure. And I think um, creating the winning environment is a huge deal where you don't have to cultivate intuition or not because there's no ice cream in your freezer. So it, it's a done deal, it's over. Whereas uh, you think about it differently, um uh Lindsay Taylor who we work with at primal, she she says you know if there's a if there's a plate of cookies sitting out in your house um it's going to be a little different than if there's no cookies around same with there if there's a kettlebell sitting in plain view we want it in plain view in our visual field all day long we're going to be very much more likely to lift that kettlebell and do a few swings rather than if it's in a cupboard you know out of view so when it comes to food oh my gosh when you're shopping that's probably when you're really under the gun and that's where you know you're going to do uh, make or break your goals
1: i could not agree more that's an epic quote about the the discipline um it's kind of like when you i have noticed this so much ever since i learned it i've really realized just how true it is but basically cuz you know they say when you're starting a new diet to just you know clear out the clear out the fridge and clear out the freezer of whatever you don't want to be having on your new diet mm. if if your brain knows that there is access to something that is tempting to it, that you don't want to have um, it. It will like, it will keep your, it'll keep trying to get it or try to find it. Um, Yeah. well,
0: (laughs) Driving down the street to to get cigarettes. um, You know, everyone's familiar with that notion where, you know, that the house is free, but you can get in your car and drive six minutes down to the convenience store oof, Yeah. it's rough. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But even just like having something in your, in your cupboard that you don't have on your plan, as long as it's there, your brain will most likely, you know, try to find a way to get it. Um, and I, I'm just not for, I'm for setting up your environment and your life to, to work with your willpower and not drain it during the day.
0: Um, (laughs) Hold on. Rewind the tape, people. That's a great one. Right. You know, we're going to drain our willpower or we're going to kind of keep it at bay because there's no willpower necessary.
1: Exactly. Which with intermittent fasting, I think that's one of the most freeing things that people don't really realize until they try it, which is the amount of decisions you don't have to make anymore because you just around food. So you just you know decide your window that you're eating in and mm-hmm. then you're just, it's not even a question. You're not eating outside of that. So you're not having to engage in those constant, should I eat? Should I have a snack? Should I stop eating? Should I like just all day? Mm-hmm. Um, You just eat in your window or, mm-hmm. or maybe eat your two meals in your window, like mm-hmm. you in your book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, And then, and then you're good.
0: So the, um, you said what works for you is this one meal a day where you can, uh, be free and unrestrained when it's time to eat. You're not, I imagine you're not counting calories when you sit down for your first meal and you're, you're saying that you've carried that through for a long time. That's what, that's your favorite pattern.
1: Yeah. So I've been doing the quote one meal a day. It It normally ends up being about four hours. What I've found that works for me personally, because again, I'm all about what works for the individual is for me i found the um the most beneficial thing for either losing weight or maintaining my body composition and also not exacerbating any metabolic issues is to do either low carb potentially Mm. high fat but low carb or high fat low carb Mm. um so i will do one or the other so there's always it's always high protein um Mm. (laughs) it's always a lot of protein and then i Mm -hmm. either do fat or i do carbs Usually it's carbs actually, which I normally do a ton and ton of, ton of fruit, um, in a yeah, one that's interesting.
0: Pattern. Uh, I think there's a lot of support for this idea now that the pairing of fat and carbs, which is unknown to nature or ancestral diet is what, uh, what, what triggers us. And that's, if you can name, uh, the top 50 comfort foods, indulgent foods they're usually pairing fat carbs and salt together cheesecake ice cream potato chips whatever um and you know we kind of get stuck in this idea that you're a low carb uh, ancestral person or you're a a vegan plant-based and um it's going to be a a war forever but what you just said i think kind of hopefully will put a lot of people at ease who are wondering you know, who's right and who's wrong and who's smarter than the other person. Uh, but making, making one, one or the other choice, uh, you're going to get that um, satiety that you are looking for from mostly from the protein. And then perhaps from enjoying a ton of fruit, it's, you know, at a certain point, you're not going to uh, overeat on fruit, nor are you going to overeat on um, high fat, uh, completely savory treats, but uh, boy, putting them together with the blueberry cheesecake, that, that could be a whole different story.
1: Yeah. And I have thought about this a lot, especially because on the intermittent fasting podcast, we get so many questions from listeners who a lot of, a lot of them are doing low carb or keto and fasting, and they're terrified of carbs. Like they think that the only way that they can lose weight or maintain their weight is being low carb. Mm. And I think one of the biggest kind of mind blown moments to or like mind blown paradigm shifts to think about is if you're eating low fat and I I say it so like nervously but but I just think like low fat in the paleo keto world is um kind of frowned upon but if you're eating low fat you know high protein with carbs especially in a fasting window like the 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 potential for fat storage actually isn't that huge so protein doesn't easily become fat. It's normal, you know, it's mostly used for building our bodies. And then it, if it's turned into some fuel, um, maybe like gluconeogenesis, some glucose there, it, it's rarely turned into fat carbs, um, you know, are, are first going to fill up our, glyco- our glycogen stores. So that's a big sink for them. And then after that, they can be turned to fat, but it's, a very small percent relative to like the potential for it, at least in the clinical trials on it. Hmm. So like the carb to fat, like people will say, oh, excess carbs turn to fat. They do, but it's, it's not as much that as you just store the fat that you're eating with the carbs. So if you're actually doing like a low fat, high protein, high carb diet, especially in a fasting window, I actually find it's pretty hard. It would be hard to gain fat doing that. And, um, if anything, you might lose weight. And I think a lot, so a lot of our listeners will be doing, you know, low carb for so long. And then we present this idea and then they, they try it and are very surprised.
0: (laughs) They're very surprised (laughs) at the results. I mean, Mm
1: -hmm. the good results. yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, this is pretty, pretty heavy stuff, Melanie. You're, you're on the cutting edge here. And I'm, I'm wondering if there's anyone, uh, out there who's uh, recoiling a little from this crazy idea that a high carb, uh, it, it, high carbs are not going to be stored as fat. I think it's a good time now to open up the umbrella that covers everything over here, uh, really nicely described by Dr. Herman Ponser in his new book, Burn. And I had a couple interviews with him. The, the second interview being a full-length devil's advocate hammering on this guy to make sure he knew what he was talking about. It's Look, this is my life's work, people. The science doesn't lie. We know how many calories people burn. But uh, the amazing takeaway insight from, from his life's work, his research, Duke University uh, evolutionary anthropologist, is that human calorie burning is constrained. We burn around the same number of calories each day, whether we exercise or not, end quote. And so if that's the case, then whatever calories you eat, it it, it really is um, whether you're gonna eat uh, more or, or burn more and eat too much. And whether it's carbs or fat is, is completely irrelevant. And he mentioned this guy on the Twinkie diet. I don't know if you've heard of that, mm-hmm. but he was, an actual science scientist guy who said, um, here's how much I weigh, uh, and here's how many Twinkies I'm going to eat. And he, you know, recorded everything and he lost a ton of weight because he only ate four Twinkies a day. And so he had this caloric deficit, not saying it's healthy, not saying it's recommended, but it does put into light, uh, or it kind of negate some of this crazy, uh, you know, hip commentary that uh, there's a, there's a way to hack this, that's uh, away from actual metabolic science, and so what so, you're saying is accurate. Period. And uh, if you don't like that, people, um, you know, maybe try eating in a narrow eating window and having a bunch of fruit, and you'd be surprised at your results.
1: Well, actually, can I tell you what I think is also related <laughs> to, related to this? What I think is one of the other most mind blowing things and misconceptions in the low carb world about Bring it, this. Bring it, girl. So. People often in the low carb world think we know that fat doesn't elicit a huge insulin response. So the, the thought from that is, okay, fat doesn't release insulin. So I can have a lot of fat and I won't gain weight from it when really, I think the reason it doesn't elicit a huge insulin response is because it is so easily stored without insulin. So the complete opposite takeaway that you could have extracted from this fact is that eating fat is actually very easily stored as fat, not, not the opposite. Um, and I just think that's one of the, the like biggest paradigm shifts for low carb, um, the low carb world.
0: Hmm. Um, Dr. Kate Shanahan says that anything you eat will elicit some insulin response. We know that protein stimulates insulin and also stimulates glucagon. So you don't have the insulin spike as much as eating straight carbs. Um, but even a snack that's high in fat is going to uh, shut off the burning of stored body fat, uh, stimulate an insulin response. And then what are you going to do with those calories? Maybe you'll, you'll burn them. But like you say, um, fatty acids are in, in good molecular shape to go right into storage, convert into triglycerides. So, Now we're kind of getting over, uh, drifting over with the conversation into this idea of intermittent fasting as being as important, maybe more important than nitpicking your macros and pricking your finger until you get scar tissue about how your ketone levels are. Uh, Just quit eating so freaking frequently and snacking all day long. So I'm going to tee you up in that direction to to go deeper into this intermittent fasting concept.
1: Yeah, sure. So um I so intermittent fasting, I think it gets rid of all of the issues or so. If you're if you were eating, if you're eating all throughout the day, um, there's this you have to have this whole dialogue of <laughs> insulin release and am I fat storing, am I fat releasing, it, you know, what is my meal doing? Um intermittent fasting just like short circuits just go, goes all straight, straight around that. Because, um, once you do enter the fastest state, I mean, there is no other option. You have to pull fuel from somewhere. So, and that can seem like an extremist approach to things, but as you know, and probably a lot of listeners know, because you do enter a fat burning state and potentially a ketogenic state, you are filled with fuel from within. So you're not hungry, um, or you shouldn't be once you adjust to it. So, um, yeah, and I've actually thought and tying it back into what we were saying about the different macronutrients. I've thought about this a lot and I, it's, it's an interesting dichotomy to picture and I, or to, to paint and I'm not sure if I can articulate it, but I think about this a lot. So if you are on a, a low carb, a low carb diet, you know, you're keeping insulin low. So it's going to be very easy, or it's going to be easy to release your fat stores. So it's pretty easy to burn fat, but then as mentioned with the, um, the fat storage potential of fat and fat being a really easy macronutrient to store. I think it's actually at the same time, very, very easy to store fat, um, from your meals because fat is easily stored. So easy to burn fat, but also easy to store fat on the flip side with like a high carb diet. Um, a high carb, low fat diet coupled with fasting. So you, it's going to be less like easy to burn fat because you might, because of the carbs keeping your storage in, in storage. But then when you eat, as we mentioned with those macros, it's actually unlikely to store fat from it. So you have a situation now where maybe it's less likely to burn fat, but also less likely to store fat. I don't know if this is a dichotomy worth contemplating, but I actually contemplate it a lot. Um, and I think you can get the best of both worlds by either doing low carb, but not going super. If you're wanting to lose weight, going low carb, but not going super crazy high fat. Um, Mm -hmm. so now you're in the, the fat burning mode, but you don't have to worry as much about the fat storage from the fat or with the high carb, low fat approach, um, you're not going to easily st- store fat from eating. So coupling it with fasting, now you're getting your fat burning pot- potential from there. Um, so that's why I think that the, uh, the fasting with, for a lot of people, the higher carb approach can actually work pretty well, higher carb, lower fat. Mm-hmm. It was meandering. Um, I think about I, this I a, a lot though.
0: <laughs> yeah. There are a couple of follow-ups and one of them is that, um, we weather a fair amount of opposition uh for, from from the female voice that the fasting can be uh, a little trouble or the intermittent the, the window um due to uh, female hormonal patterns um striving for reproductive fitness, our number one biological drive, especially fit females. Uh, And so uh, I've seen some direct commentary saying, uh, don't try this. If you're a fit female, I wonder if you've kind of been hit with some of those uh, objections to the recommendation to spend a lot of time fasted.
1: Yes. A lot of questions. Um, So I, again, I'm really, oh, and first of all, not a doctor, not a doctor. I'm very much about... So
0: that keep- means you know a lot about nutrition, I guess.
1: <laughs> very funny. No
0: yeah. offense, doctors, but <laughs> get me training in nutrition, not necessarily would be the correct answer. And awesome. uh, some actresses don't know shit about nutrition and some of them know a lot because they study it. So... I think I like to put a little commercial in here for the idea that, um, you know, we're looking at people's credentials constantly or trying to grab onto something uh, that make them seem like an authority. And when it comes to athletics or fitness, I like people who have been there and done that. So some guy on a YouTube video or gal who's got a six pack, they probably know what they're doing in some way because they're doing it in their own life. And same with nutrition. If you've been living and breathing is stuff. Um, I think you have way more credibility than some doctor who probably speaks out of turn more frequently than they should, because they don't necessarily know what they're talking about.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm all for empowering people to, you know, take things into their own hands and like Google Scholar is like my favorite mm-hmm. thing in the world. I just love, like, you can read all of the studies that the same, the same things that the doctors would be reading. Um, you can read it. And then you can, and then you can implement things in your life and see how they actually manifest. Um, so, so yes, we are, we are on the same page there. Um, but as far as the, the female aspect goes, so well, to start, I think the majority of the backlash against fasting for women, um, it's there's, there's not a lot of clinical literature in human females showing the issues. So, um, the majority of the, of the studies showing and, you know, problems with females specifically in fasting are conducted in rodents. And one of the largest or one of the biggest problems in my opinion for, um, why this is problematic is fasting in a rodent is like so a 24 hour fast in a rodent is the equivalent of days and days and days in a human so all of these studies looking at oh 24 hour fast in a rodent that's like fasting for days and the the rodent reproductive cycle is much more sensitive to um restriction and dietary fluctuations than if than a human so i don't know how much of the information from the rodent studies we can extrapolate to female women. Um, the studies that do look at women and fasting often find a lot of really good effects for women, even things hormonal, like PCOS and things like that. Granted, most of them are in women that are overweight. And I think where the issue comes in, cause I do think an issue very easily comes in with women and fasting. So I was building all that up, not to say, Oh, fasting is completely fine for women all the time. I actually don't think that I think, um, I don't think fasting by itself is necessarily restrictive, but I think it can easily become restrictive if you make it so. And if it's coupled with re- dietary restriction, which a lot of women do e- either mm. on purpose or not on purpose and or intense exercise, um, mm. I think it can easily become too restrictive. It can be just, it can, um, compound. So mm. I don't think it's necessarily the fasting, that's the issue. I think that it's really important to look at your entire lifestyle and what signal are you sending to your body with the fasting, the food and the exercise?
0: Ooh, I like that little throw in at the end. Uh, if you're training like an idiot doing CrossFit five days a week, you're going to go onto the internet and start criticizing fasting uh, but we got to go look at everything for sure. Yeah. And in fact, I guess I should pose this as a question to you during the ask Melanie section of the show, but, uh, I like this idea of personal experimentation and I, I do a lot of it myself. So I'm, you know, I can't be pigeonholed into this is how I eat every single day. I'm on the 16 and eight pattern forever. Uh, so things change. Uh, and I kind of, uh, of adding up these uh, compounding, like you call it, where I'm trying to do these super ambitious sprinting and jumping workouts that are really strenuous. Uh, so that's one. If you're counting. Number two, I'm in the older age groups now, which I kind of refuse to believe, but then I acknowledge when I when I get home and and feel fried after pushing myself too hard in the workout. So I'm in the older age group. I'm trying to do crazy workouts and. Uh, I eat really cleanly. I, I don't, um, you know, mess around with overeating and, and whatnot. So uh, perhaps my carbohydrate intake is on the low side and, you know, my caloric intake is on the optimal side. But at times, if you're talking about, uh, you know, fasting window, uh, eating the, the cleanest foods, the most calorically efficient foods and trying to do crazy stuff and being older age group, um, my my insight at one point was like, What if I came home and, you know, stuffed the blender full of an incredible smoothie with all kinds of calories, carbs, protein, fat, whatever it is in the interest of recovering. And so maybe there's not too many people in this category that have too many stress factors because we know that fasting is a stressor in itself and the body has to kick in stress hormones into the bloodstream to liberate uh, energy into the bloodstream and all that great stuff. And that's all fine and dandy. If you're sitting at work, you're going to be concentrating and feeling great. But what about when you're, I don't know, in a stressful 16-hour movie shoot where you're maybe not uh, going hand in hand with uh, not eating any food? Let's talk about nootropics. These are supplements designed to improve cognitive function, memory, and creativity. And I'm taking three products from a company called nu Optimal, N-U-Optimal. The products are Meta Focus, which promotes flow state and improves processing speed and mental clarity. It contains ingredients like phenylalanine, B12, ginkgo biloba. I'm taking Meta Memory, which is good for memory retention, verbal fluency, reduced oxidative stress, very important for the brain. This product has things like lion's mane, pine bark, and bacopa. And I'm taking Meta Drive for motivation, stress, resilience. It's got a little boost of caffeine in there, ashwagandha, rhodiola. They're wonderful products with a lot of scientific detail in easy to understand information on their website. So you get the big picture of what these products are all about, not just stuffing pills down your face, but how to do the stack as they call it strategically. You get a 16 page booklet that'll guide you to optimal use when you purchase. And guess what? 60 day money back guarantee and 30% discount from me. Listen, I'm not a coffee guy. I'm not a drug guy, but I'm always looking for any type of natural edge. can get especially for cognition so guess what let's avoid that sugary junk food let's get enough sleep take a power nap when you need one and consider trying some nootropics to see if you get a natural brain boost so go visit newoptimal.com n-u-o-p-t-i-m-a-l and enter the code brad30 to get 30 percent discount when you try it newoptimal.com for way more details
1: Yeah. I mean, it's such, it's such a difference in the context because, you know, people, I I love what you said, like people who are, you know, doing, which is amazing, but doing like really, really intense CrossFit, you know, every single day, I think for them, you know, fasting very likely a lot of the time might be too stressful. That doesn't mean that it does not mean that fasting by itself is equates restriction, like for, um, like over restriction. Mm. So I think it's when you move from restriction to over restriction. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. and then I, I was just gonna say, I do think, I do think women, so, cause men could be over restrictive as well. Obviously, like you were just talking about, I do think that said, when you hit that over restrictive, um, paradigm or point, like way of being that women's bodies are more sensitive to it hormonally. So
0: So message to the the females listening who are at their optimal body composition. uh, Are they in a different category, decision-making category or or, or something where um, we don't want to get lower than necessary body fat and and throw off reproductive function or other downstream thyroid? Everyone talks about the thyroid slowing down. What do you think about that?
1: So like, oh, so is the question, like, if you're optimal, is it safe to fast or does fasting? Like, I think if you're at your, you know, the body that you want to be at, you want to maintain it's optimal, optimal, you, you you can, yes, you can 100% find a fasting window that works for you. And if it's Mm, a situation- Which might be a
0: a, a small one. I mean, it might be Twelve hours, right?
1: Right. So it yeah, yeah, it might it, it might be you might you might need a longer window. You might need to eat more in a shorter window. Um, Like I'm not actively losing weight. I just maintain my weight. I still eat usually, and have been eating like a four hour window. But I eat a lot mm-hmm. in that window. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really just have to look at yourself. I if if the question I like if the question is Is there a body composition where you just can't fast? I mean, I think if, you know, if you're underweight to the point of being like where you need, where you actively need to gain weight, that might be an exception. Um,
0: Sure. Um, It also seems like if you are carrying excess body fat, you're frustrated with your past efforts to remove that excess body fat. Maybe you have a different set of decision-making parameters than someone who is at optimal body fat, where um, there's not going to be this intuitive backdoor answer to be like, "Sure, don't fast that long because you uh, you're cranky in the morning if you don't eat a huge sugary breakfast." I mean, uh, that that's probably a safe to safe assumption to saying, "Look, if you need to get rid of excess body fat, let's throw these tools into place."
1: Yeah, and actually, um, speaking to that, can I do a quick blo- a quick plug for your new book? Two Quick meals a plug, day. people. I really liked the chapter. I don't know if it was, I was listening, so it's hard to know mm. if it was like a section or a chapter, but I really liked the um the part you guys had a part about, you know, hacks to, you know, really oh, get yeah, that stuff advanced stubborn strategies. Back. Yeah, advanced right. strategies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that um. was quite excellent. Um, and I thought it was great because it was it's things that might be perceived to stay in the like uh controversial waters things that might be per- perceived as culturally you know too restrictive or too extreme but i think these are very valid tools that we can use to depending on what your goals are and what you want i don't think there's anything wrong with um desiring a certain body composition and you know utilizing smart tools like there there are healthy ways well there are mm-hmm. healthy advanced strategy ways to get there compared to just completely unhealthy, mm. um, lifestyle approaches that just might wreck you. So right. I appreciated that section.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, if you're listening carefully, you notice, especially when you're talking about the dichotomies and the different things, the, the, the common theme running through is that emphasis on protein. So I'd love to touch on that uh, especially with your uh, results and experience tiptoeing on, on both sides of the tightrope, but always having protein as the fixture.
1: Yes. Protein is my obsession. I actually yesterday interviewed Dr. David Minkoff. He wrote a book called the perfect, the perfect protein, I think. And it was my first, I've ha- and I've had Dr. Ted Neiman on the show and mm. we, we went deep in protein there, but the show this week was like a, the, deepest of deep dives into amino acids and protein. And it was really, really excellent. But, um, I, I just think I am haunted. Oh, going back to the dichotomy, I am haunted. <laughs> I'm haunted because on the one hand, there are a lot of advocates for, of low protein diets for health and longevity, um, mm. particularly in the vegan world and even the fasting world, like doc, Dr. Walter Longo. Mm. Um, and then on the flip side, we have people who are very, very pro protein. Um, it haunts me, <laughs> but my thoughts on the matter are when it comes to the different macronutrients, especially body composition, weight loss, health, so many things like protein is the magic macronutrient for that. It's what builds your body. It's, it's the it's highest correlation to satiety. Um, you know, has a good thermogenic effect. So you're burning more calories, eating it than the other macronutrients, um, after, so lower protein intakes are correlated to longevity up until a certain age. But then once you hit a certain age, uh, that correlation disappears and you actually need higher protein intakes, um, which I think is very telling for the role that it's doing in our, in our bodies. So especially since our, when our bodies are aging, the fact that we now need more Protein, I think, is um pretty telling, but I I do think that diets aside, focusing on protein is, in my opinion, probably the place to focus. <laughs> um, I do think that for the longevity aspect, because people will say you should do low protein because it doesn't stimulate mTOR as much and it's anti-aging, but I think you can get those benefits if you you know combine it. With fasting for example because then you're going into a you know a period of no mTOR during the day um, and also mitigating things like igf1 so i i'm a fan of protein
0: yeah i love it your 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 opinion here is supported by many of the world's leading experts i particularly appreciate how um, there's been some backlash against this black and white thinking of saying eat less protein uh, downregulate these growth factors. If you're not familiar with IGF-1 or mTOR, these are the, uh, the the stated agents that if you overstimulate them by stuffing your face with too much food your whole life, it's going to increase your risk for cancer and unregulated cell growth. But now we're coming to our senses a little bit more saying, look, we, we know that uh, getting uh, minimal protein is absolutely essential and dabbling in uh, restricting protein is going to turn you into a, a mess. You're going to be uh, cranky Emaciated, experiencing intense cravings for high protein foods. This is from Dr. Chris Kresser, uh, spreading this message that we don't want to go mess around uh, with with low protein diet. And then when we talk about getting uh, as much as we need or more, uh, there's a lot of benefits toward pushing that that number. Like Dr. Ted says so well too, the protein to energy ratio on the diet, uh, for one thing. Um, it's difficult to overconsume protein because, I don't know, raise your hand if you've ever eaten too many omelets and feel terrible at the breakfast bar or had two steaks and then I wish I wouldn't have had that third. No, it's so satiating that you're going to eat just as much as you need. And if you're getting plenty, uh, what you just mentioned of turning on and off those growth factors, that's the secret to longevity. Um, you can listen, Dr. Peter Attia, go deep on this matter, but um, mTOR and IGF-1 are not all the way around around bad guys, nor is insulin. And this is what helps us preserve muscle mass. I I took a great quote from Rob Wolf interview where he said, Hey, if you want to live longer, it's looking now that you want to lift more weights and eat more protein rather than walk around weak and emaciated and people tease, uh, you know, the long-term vegans of, of looking like they're shriveled up and uh, about to blow away in the wind. Um, I don't, I don't need to be, um, you know, dramatic here, uh, but this is a big one for many people who are maybe, feeling a little confused about people, you know, blanket statement that you, you don't want to eat too much protein or or big dangers occur. Oh. And finally, since I'm rambling so long, Melanie's having a a lunch over there, a high protein (laughs) thing, but, um, um, the thermic effect of protein has been measured at 25%, which means 25% of the protein calories you consume go toward digesting that protein. So again, uh, you're, you're not going to overeat protein and get yourself into a bind or, of gaining weight or anything like that uh, because it's so essential to the body. Sisson says, don't even count it in your calorie count because it's sort of irrelevant to uh, your, 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 your fat loss goals or your, if you are tracking macros.
1: Yeah, actually, um, and I'm not promoting this and I'm a little <laughs> bit embarrassed to admit it, but probably the the first time like the biggest weight loss chunk i experienced was when i had the during my dietary exper- experimentation days um but being low carb and after fasting i realized that you know if you basically just ate protein that it was very 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 unlikely you would gain weight and most likely you would lose weight so i basically just ate protein for i don't know maybe like a year um and I don't recommend that, but I think it definitely speaks to the, the power of that macronutrient. Um, it's also kind of like the, the alcohol macronutrient. People often think that, you know, you gain weight from alcohol, but you're not gaining weight from alcohol. Alcohol doesn't mm. become fat. Like it just doesn't.
0: So right, right. <laughs> you're gaining it, weight
1: it, from whatever you um, ate
0: with that. Yeah. Quick quick lesson, uh, alcohol is burned immediately it doesn't convert to anything it's immediately burned otherwise you're going to die right and so what happens is it puts the burning of all the other calories on hold such that, especially removing it from the bloodstream. So you're going to get a drop in blood sugar and you're going to crave the pizza and the other things that are going to cause you to gain weight from your alcohol habit or a mixed drink where you're consuming the carbohydrates. Those can't be burned because the margarita has to be burned first. And so where they're going to go, they're going to get stored as fat.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, um,
0: um, oh, back to your, uh, you know, your, um, your, your, secret commentary that a high protein diet works for fat loss. I think it's important to talk straight about these things because, um, to me, clearly that's the most effective strategy to drop excess body fat and do it quickly and efficiently. And I think that's why, um, a lot of the reason why the carnivore diet has exploded in popularity is it's by default, a very high protein high nutrient density, high satiety diet, which you have no problem sticking to. And the fat is going to melt off like no other diet, uh, Now there's this concept called rabbit starvation and these weird things that happen if you eat only protein. So just as Melanie qualified her statement, don't eat just protein, or you're going to get into weird potential stuff. But I think most people, you can't help but You're going to add a sufficient number of of carbs or fat to get you to um, a place where you feel good. You're dropping excess body fat and you have no problem sticking to the diet as, as long as necessary.
1: Yeah, and actually, to that point, um, I'm not for crash dieting, but I think if one were to crash diet, like if they had to lose a,
0: if one landed of- a huge movie role and they say yeah. we need you to get in shape, yeah,
1: yes, or they have like a wedding in ten days. Well, wedding they're probably no longer about than ten days. You know, like a short time period. Um, I do think the healthiest way to lose fat quickly is like, is the protein sparing modified protein sparing modified fast that people do where basically they're, you know, eating calorie restricted, but it's basically just protein. Mm -hmm. Um, because then you're supporting your minimal body functions and your muscle, but it's just, your body has to turn to fat for fat burning, not meant to be long-term, but, um, I do think it just speaks to the science of how protein is used in the body. And, um, how you can maybe use that to your advantage if you needed to. But again, that's not meant to be long-term.
0: This show is, uh, i'm enjoying it because i didn't know there was that much to talk about i feel like we were so we were talking before we hit record about the the book writing process and how arduous it is to start with a blank page and finish with 347 pages of talking about uh eating strategies and ancestral living and whenever i'm i'm done mark and i talk on the phone and we say man i don't think there's anything more we can say but melanie's just loaded us with interesting insights and and there's a lot more to say so i encourage people to go, uh, flip over to your, your podcast on intermittent fasting, we're definitely going to have to have you back, uh, to talk about the, the other side of the, the coin. So maybe just give us a little, um, uh, a teaser about what's your favorite stuff in the biohacking world and what you talk about on that show.
1: Oh goodness. So that is, so the biohacking world is the rabbit holes of rabbit holes of rabbit holes, but it's basically all of the, um, Technologies, supplements, lifestyle things that you can do in your daily life to upgrade your body's performance. I actually think it's using modern technology to return to what we once were as. (laughs) So it's like, you know, it's like using technology to tackle your light exposure. So blue light blocking glasses, red light therapy, um, making our modern homeostatic environment actually more difficult. So doing cryotherapy or saunas, um, it can even go as crazy. My recent obsessions, I'm, I, this whole time I've been drinking deuterium depleted water. That is a rabbit hole to go on. Um, it's either like the most important thing ever or not, but I think it might be the most <laughs> important thing ever, um, mitigating, mitigating EMFs using different, um, modalities for like meditation. So rather than just normal meditation, it might be like, you know, Wim Hof breathing or meditation devices like muse, or I got this device called core that you hold in your hands and it vibrates. Mm -hmm. It's basically, yeah, all of the crazy things that you can do in your daily life to hopefully enhance your experience of life, make you feel healthier and like I mentioned, really just combating our modern environment because our modern environment is just not not ideal. Not mm-hmm. ideal.
0: Well said. I like that. And I, I like uh, going back to the basics, uh, lest anyone get confused or overwhelmed. And so uh, before you go into your Uh, red light box or your sauna or your chest freezer, you know, let's make sure that like these big picture items that are so easy to just transition away from, uh, but we're still blasting our eyeballs, uh, you know, with, with light late at night, Uh, maybe reading an interesting article about uh, the benefits of red light therapy for mitochondria. But in my own personal life, I'm really trying to just if I can just put some rules into place that give me a fighting chance to go pursuing rabbit hole optimization things, that's what's fun. And I, I know you and I are both fans of people like Ben Greenfield and, and Peter Atia and people pushing out on the cutting edge. But when I interact with real people, like my buddies from high school, and we're talking about this or that, and, and someone sticks a plate of nachos in my face is, Brad, is this healthy or not? Yes or no? You know, they want like a quick answer and just things to, to carry with them so they can at least have a fighting chance. And so I'm, I'm really thinking we don't want to skip over any of those steps. But then, oh my gosh, isn't it fun and exciting to you know, a- address all these different ways? And I've never quite heard it put that way where um, you know, we think about this concept of becoming superhuman and having uh, incredible energy, but it's really like all you want us to do is get back to general baseline human expectation rather than being a sorry-ass modern human that's getting bombarded with all this stuff that's, that's compromising our energy.
1: Yeah. I, I just think we, as human beings, like we have all of the potential and the energy and the joy and the love all inside of us. Um, it's just very much hampered and dampened by our <laughs> chronic lifestyle today. So just starting there, undoing what mm-hmm. has been done, it, it can take you to a huge, incredible place.
0: Uh, Dave Rossi my good friend frequent podcast guest author of the imperative habit very spiritual guy teaches a meditation course online and um you know what his secret is for for happiness I is do not get rid of all the stuff that makes you unhappy and what you have left is this inherent happiness it's a great concept
1: oh i love that that's beautiful um yeah it's like like Dorothy it's always in your own backyard Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. Or the <laughs> alchemist, Paula Coelho's best-selling book. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Melanie Avalon killing it. People <laughs> go listen to intermittent fasting podcasts, listen to the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast. I appreciate you spending time with us. We got way more than we bargained for. It was, it was hard hitting, heavy hitting. We're going to have to listen to this at 1.0 speed instead of the usual 1.5 or the 1.75. speed because there are so many insights to pull out and it was always interesting.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Brad. I have been such a fan of your work for so, so long. So this is just like the biggest honor ever. And you are just, I, I like I've just, you know, barely met you, but you you just have the most amazing spirit. It comes across in, in your work, your podcast, your books, everything. You're doing incredible things. So I'm honored to be here.
0: Thank you, Melanie. Thanks for listening, everybody. Da, 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 da. I want to tell you about Inside Tracker, an awesome new ultra personalized nutrition and lifestyle program that combines data from your comprehensive blood panels, genetic test results and lifestyle and fitness data from a Fitbit, for example, and organizes everything into one super cool online portal of your personal health. I am just getting going with this, and it's awesome. It has everything in one spot. For every blood result, you can click on a blog post or watch a video to learn more about these values. It's a great education in general health and self-quantification, and it was developed by leading scientists in aging, Genetics and biometric data from MIT, Tufts, and Harvard. The patented Inside Tracker algorithm calculates your so called inner age and it shows each biomarker as either optimized, needs to improve, or at risk. And then you can take precise corrective action with a science backed plan to reach your performance goals. Oh, mercy, people. On my first round of testing, guess what my inner age was? 62! Shocker! Because I just turned 56. I'm sorry. You know what? When I delivered that blood test, I believe I was a little overtired, and several of my biomarkers were deemed to be subpar. So I made some changes as directed. I recovered better, rested, went back, and delivered way better numbers at the next blood test. The Insight Tracker motto is change is an inside job and that is for real you got to keep tabs on this stuff to be at your best and they have an amazing deal just for b rad podcast listeners they are going to give away a grand prize of 1500 dollars in inside tracker value so to enter all you have to do is go to inside tracker.com Brad Pod b-r-a-d-p-o-d check it out right now at the link and enter the contest thank you for listening to the show i love sharing the experience with you and greatly appreciate your support please email podcast at bradventures.com with feedback suggestions and questions for the q a shows